welcome to the XO Conversations Podcast. I'm your host, Rishma Walji. This podcast is all about showing up in your life as the person you want to be, the person you know you can be, and the person you maybe need some support to become. I talk about the science of personal growth, intentional decision-making, and having deeper connections with yourself and others. Today, I'm talking with Jillian Richardson. She's a coach, connection expert, and author of the book, Unlonely Planet. She's also the founder of The Joy List, a weekly newsletter of community-centered events in New York City. So let's jump in for a bit because, first of all, I love the title of your book. I read it, and I'll ask you about it more in detail in a minute, but... Uh, I don't know if you did this on purpose. I'm going to date myself right now and be like, Mm -hmm. when we used to travel before we had, you know, Google Maps and like smartphones, I used to take these books every single time. Lonely Planet. I mean, there was a few other ones too. Um, But I would take these like Lonely Lonely Planet books in my backpack where I had all my other belongings. And this book was like so big, but I had to take it. And so I don't know if if your book was a play on that, but I really, I like the name. For sure. It totally was a play. And to be honest, I was like, is this legally okay for me? (laughs) And I haven't gotten in trouble yet. So I guess it's fine. Yeah, I think it's more of a generic term. So it should be okay. Uh, I want to jump in because I mean, I've met you before. So you know, I'd like to go deep, like right away, (laughs) Mm -hmm. just to really get into the the stuff that we're going to talk about. And I wanted to say like, I don't think anyone really talks about loneliness. I don't think anyone really feels safe to talk about it. I mean, there's so many things we don't learn when we're growing up that we really need mm-hmm. to as as adults know about how to communicate. And I think loneliness is one of those things. So do you have, can you maybe talk about just so people can resonate and understand, like, what does it really feel like to be deeply alone? Like, what do you hear from people? What kind of experiences are people having, you know, just so maybe we can also understand if we're in that place? Yeah, it's, the way people usually frame it is that they're craving like an external thing. They're like, I want more friends. I want a boyfriend. I want a sense of community. I want a job where I feel purpose, which is all valid and all makes sense. But really at the core of all of these desires is feeling loved and feeling enough and feeling supported. And something that I I try and really ease into slowly with coaching clients is seeing that very much all of this starts as an inside job. Like, of course, we are healed through relationship. I believe that. Like, we are healed through loving relationships where other people love us and we see that we are enough and our messiness and all that good stuff. And yet... I know people, and this has been me in my life, who they've got tons of friends. They might have a romantic partner. They are like bopping around all the time and yet still feel lonely. And so it's like, okay, well, what is that? And in my experience, it's usually a more spiritual hunger of wanting to feel connected to something bigger than yourself, feeling connected to your body, feeling connected to your sexuality. Like there's, I love this topic because literally it could go anywhere. Like everything is connected to feeling 
lonely or not lonely. And I'll say if anyone's listening and you're like, oh my God, yo, that is so me. And like maybe feeling a little bit bad about it. I try to emphasize that our world is designed for loneliness, especially if you're an American. Like we're all trained, conditioned, everything is set up for us to just constantly work, not be connected to our emotions, not be in loving relationship. Like that's just, that's on purpose. And so it takes a lot of work and deconditioning and effort to feel like the natural state that we all have, which is being comfortable and loving to ourselves and to other people. Yeah, for sure. And there's so much more to loneliness, I think, in different contexts. Like I, I'm an only child, not a lonely mm-hmm. child. I grew up with a big family, <laughs> but I do resonate with this feeling of feeling lonely. And I think there's, um, well, it's one of the reasons I'm so into connection and making friends and mm-hmm. deep relationships. But I think there's this part of also like not being seen. Like even when I was in practice, a lot of my patients, they were going through really tough times, right? Like really tough times and people didn't understand, or of course, it's not something you talk about with everyone. And so this, this piece of not being able to share something you're going through, Mm -hmm. I think is part of that that can create loneliness. And even in your book, you talk a lot about, you know, what are the, what are the drivers that instigate loneliness or that, that maybe exacerbate a feeling of loneliness, like when you've moved or when you go through a life change or you lose a partner, like, of course, these support systems are really important. But I think there's also this other piece of when you don't feel understood. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And how, why it's so important to have people around you who understand like uh, an area of my life that I recently realized I needed support in was being child-free like in this stage in my life. And I think forever, but who knows? I don't want kids. Mm -hmm. And it's come to the surface that I actually felt deeply uncomfortable sharing that about myself with most people because the response is often like, oh, but you're so nice. Like you'd make a great mom or like, oh, you'll change your mind. (laughs) And that's a reason to have children. (laughs) Totally. I'm like, usually what I say to people is I'm like, well, you know, I think that kids deserve moms who were excited to have them. Exactly. <laughs> Just like, I don't know, crazy idea. Maybe we should all have parents. We'd all be less messed up if we all had parents who were like so thrilled to be parents. Um, well, this is probably but- one of the issues with being inside a group, whether it be, you know, a social circle or something where if you're trying to vocalize your opinion and people are busy telling you what to do, and it doesn't feel right to you, then of course, you're going to withdraw and feel mm-hmm. more lonely. And so mm-hmm. part of the conversation, and I know you're talking about in your book, a lot of like, ways to create these group meetings, community, that kind of thing. But but part of it is to have a safe space where you can yeah. actually be honest about your life and how you feel and not feel judged and not be told what to do. Mm-hmm. It's so important. And it's I think a reason why having these spaces that are facilitated and designed is to create in like an alternate reality that models how we want to be in the outside world. Like, I think some people almost get addicted and I for sure, I've been this person get like addicted to workshops and like the stuff that is, it's like the practice space and it's supposed to be the practice space for the real world. And yet it's, it's, it's often lost on people. So it's like, yeah, we, we want to have a space where we can practice being heard and being listened to and having a timer and all that good stuff. 
but then like you use that when you're just hanging out with your friend in a coffee shop. Like that's the point. Yeah. It's funny as I, as I move through life, I'm starting to feel less bad about shedding people in my life who I feel like don't understand me or don't have, Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously I want different opinions surrounding me. I don't want to always just be stuck in a bubble, but I do want to feel safe to have a, an argument or a disagreement, safe to have, you know, support and to be able to support others. And I wanted to talk a little bit about people pleasing because I mean, it gets mm-hmm. in the way of us shedding maybe relationships that are not good for us, but also gets in the way of creating deeper connections because we we get scared, right? Like, is that person going to like me? You know, mm-hmm. we get scared to almost show our real opinions. Yeah, a hundred percent. This is something I deeply relate to. It's something I touch on in the book is like so many women I was raised and conditioned to be like a quote unquote good girl where, especially in my family with like the father in my life, never disagreeing, never talking back, never saying no, always just being like an agreeable, sweet, soft woman. (laughs) Surprise. I turned out the opposite shocker. Um, but the, it put up a lot of blocks for me in my life of, you know, in romantic relationships, being with people who I actually didn't feel great around or feel myself around being in friendships where I would leave interactions and be like, I feel like it's being made fun of in that conversation. Or I feel like that person doesn't actually feel excited about my dreams. And now I'm leaving feeling like maybe I can't do that or I shouldn't do that. And it's just, I think for anyone who's going through something like that, to know that you're doing it because consciously or not, it feels normal, which is so sad to realize like, oh, I am in relationships where I don't feel good enough, where I'm subtly or not so subtly being put down. Because in my family of origin, that's how I was treated. And that's what I think love is. And so like how scary to be in a new type of relationship where it's like, oh, I feel accepted and supported and I don't leave feeling drained or icky or weird. Like, Yeah. And I think a, people a question that I, too, right? Like we question yeah. that. Yeah. Is it real? Like, is that possible? Mm-hmm. And this is something... I've been through multiple times in my life. And I honestly sometimes can feel like a fraud in my work when I'm like not surrounded by best friends. If I'm in a transitional period in my life, I'm like, well, I teach about this stuff. I should, I should always have best friends and these things. But I think a lot of people just aren't brave enough to have a period where they're in a little bit of not like a desert, but a little bit of a desert when it comes to relationships. Be like, I could create the vacuum to let people come in, or I could continue to have these people in my life where like, I, you you just don't feel great. Yeah. Tell me what you mean when you say like you wrote the book on it and you should just have a perfect life. Cause I have the same thing where I like, I'm teaching people about personal growth and loving Mm -hmm. your life. And Mm -hmm. you, you feel almost like I should be able to do all of these things. I'm very clear with people who listen to my podcast that I'm not perfect at all. And part of the reason I'm, I'm writing about it. and, And someone said this to me once, part of the reason we write and we put information out there is cause we're learning it ourselves. Yes, of course. And it's something as I've met more and more people who are kind of like quote unquote experts or teachers on a topic, the more I'm like, 
oh, that person is obsessed with this topic and made it into their job because of like how much wounding they have around that thing. So chances are, including me, the person who teaches a topic struggles with that topic even more than the average person. Yeah. Or like, is, of or is interesting and yeah, interested in change, interested, but because we've fallen <laughs> so many times or yes. because we've seen the light maybe sometimes too, like, oh, I've seen that. I want more of that, you know, because um, this connection, I think is something that I mean, especially the past few years, people are really mm -hmm. missing. And, and that's part of what I love about what you talk about is how to get that connection. So what would you suggest like for people who are scared of what if they won't like me? Or, I mean, yeah. you gave a, you gave an anecdote in your book about dancing at a, mm -hmm. at a, an event. And I, in my mind, Jillian, I'm a very good dancer, <laughs> oh, I hear you. but in reality, I mean, I'm not bad, but I'm no pro and I only do it when I feel like, you know, feel the music and it's into me or nobody's watching. But like, I can see how you go to something and you're like, oh my gosh, everyone's around and you just sort of clam up. Um, mm -hmm. what, what, what do people do? What should they do? Yeah. So this is a topic that comes up a ton, a ton, a ton with coaching clients where I have to remind them, be like, listen, the more you put yourself out there and the more people you meet and the more spaces you go to, the more times you're going to hear no. The more times you're going to go to a thing and you're not going to like it, or you're not going to like it at first, the more times you're going to feel like everyone's looking at you and you're the weirdo. Like I saw a TikTok yesterday that made me laugh so hard where a woman, it was like a guy with a sticker on his chest and she was pointing at him and she's like, and it, the sticker said new best friend. And she's pointing and she's like, this is the guy that you want. Right. And the guy she's talking to is like, yeah. And then she takes off the sticker and underneath it says stranger. She's like, okay, to get to that, you need to talk to one of these. And he like screams and leaves the room. <laughs> That's like, hilarious. Yeah. Although it is a very detailed explained to TikTok. But it's like, yeah, right. Duh. Like we all want a new best friend, but to get the new best friend, you need to talk to a stranger. Talk to and a stranger. they're the same person. But yeah. It is. So. It's hard to put yourself out there sometimes, right? Especially if you yes. don't get that reciprocity. I know it depends on where you live, but like when I was in the city, I remember like nobody talks to anybody, you know, you can mm -hmm. all be stuffed into a train and staring at the wall. No one talks to anyone. And then I moved into yeah. the suburbs and everyone's talking to me. The first time it happened, I'm walking along and someone's like, hi. And I'm like, who are you? Why are you talking to me? <laughs> what, who do, like, this is my personal space. Like, it just felt so mm -hmm. awkward. And now I'm the person who goes and talks to everybody. Like, yeah. my kids get embarrassed because they talk to everyone because they feel like everyone does have an interesting story. And for the most part, they just don't get a chance to talk to you, you know? Truly. And like, I, I think people often kind of like copy and paste their past experiences onto the future where this literally happened to me last week. I went to a party on Friday night and I went and I like didn't really know anyone. And it was one of those things where everyone's just standing and there's no chairs. And it was like, it was a space opening and it felt kind of awkward. And I was trying to flirt with people and it just wasn't landing. And I left and I was like, oh my God, like replaying in my head, everything I said and how awkward it felt and how I, I just felt rebuffed and terrible. And if I had a story that I was a socially awkward person, I would not have gone to something the next night. I'd be like, oh, well, that's obviously going to happen again. And then the next night I went to a party and I like made two new friends and got somebody's number and it was great. And I'm like, oh yeah, 
So we, we just like make it mean so much more than it actually does. Yeah, it's possible to make those connections. I have to share this one thing that happened to me and then I'll, mm-hmm. I have so many more questions for you, but I feel like this relates to this topic that you're talking about. I have a hard time with networking events. Like I like to meet yeah. people, but I like to make genuine connections, right? I mean, mm-hmm. who, who will say that they're not like that, but I have a hard time going to these networking events because I feel like you have to put yourself on display and, you know, yeah, they who, suck. Right. Like who wants to talk to you unless they know that you're special? Like it's it just very on so many levels. I just don't mm-hmm. love them. But I go to them because, I, you know, sometimes you need to make connections for work and stuff. Yeah. And so I feel like oftentimes people are not going to want to talk to me because I'm not that person who's like, oh, I have a PhD. What, what, like, I'm, that's not just not me. I introduce myself as Rishma. Like, you know, I go yeah. to these things and someone was like, hi, my name is Dr. Jen. And I'm like, nice to meet you, Dr. Jen. I'm Rishma. I'm never going to introduce myself like that. It's just not my personality. And so I have this story or I had this story in my head that, you know, if I go to these things, people are not going to want to talk to me unless they know who I am or unless they think I have something to give them. And those are not my people. Like, I want to talk to you because you're a nice person. And then maybe if we can collaborate, great, right? Yeah. And so I realized that in a lot of these networking events, I already feel left out. And maybe this is different for other people. Some of it has to do with my my race, right? Like sometimes I walk into a room and I see a bunch of people who look differently than I do. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like, you know, they think of me in a certain way or whatever that may be. And I didn't realize that I had this, but I have had it since for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so this last weekend, I went to a networking event and I was like, okay, I usually feel this way. And therefore I feel like I'm invisible or people don't want to talk to me. And then I make myself more invisible, which for me was like a mic drop because I'm like, I am just creating what I'm already thinking is happening. So I'm almost making it worse, whether it's true or not that it happens. But then I shy away. Then I don't, I'm not as outgoing and I kind of create more of what is already happening. Mm -hmm. So I went to this other event and I was like, I'm determined I'm not going to do this. And I start talking to everybody and I'm going to make myself as visible as as my personality will allow. Um, <laughs> and it was great. I actually met some people and and some of them weren't good connections. But as you said, I was able to be like, you're not for me and move on and then go to mm-hmm. someone else and have a good connection, mm-hmm. which I think in those environments was a lot harder. I would do much better at a party than I would do yeah. at a networking event, you know? Yeah. So I wanted to share that because I think some people might have this similar experience. Mm-hmm. I love that story because it the, the reason why I... The, the type of events I promote in the joy list, the newsletter are facilitated events because the classic networking event is a nightmare socially. Like literally it is, hi, you're going to walk into this room full of strangers. Good luck. Like that's t- even for the most extroverted person, that's terrible. And so of course it's going to exacerbate any sort of social fears you have. Like that is the worst place for any negative story you have about yourself going to be amplified in a space like that. Yeah. It's and everybody like, wants something. <laughs> everybody wants something like really those are not like if I was to say, okay, what are you going to invest your time in? Like if you could go to like a, a circle for female entrepreneurs to talk about what's going on in your business versus a networking event, I'm like, always go to the circle, always yeah. go to the thing that's facilitated and life isn't perfect. There are tons of events that it would benefit you to just go into the fray of a bazillion people and talk. Like that's just how things go sometimes. So I love that you were like, let me be 
a different version. And I love that you said to the extent of your personality that you weren't like, I'm going to pretend to be on 180 degrees different person. You're like, we'll just lamp it up a little bit. And I won't force myself to talk to the people I don't want to talk to. Like, that's so amazing. Yeah, because we we often do, right? We we create a different version of ourselves in different environments. Yeah, And I think that, you know, people who are my friends might know me a little bit differently than a little bit more outgoing. I mean, in a professional environment, for sure, I'm a lot more serious. I'm a lot more, you know, because it's a professional environment. Um, but talking about personal connections, because I think that's where you you do a lot of your focus rather than professional mm-hmm. connections. How do you, I guess, deepen that those relationships? Like, what, let's say you meet a friend at some social mm-hmm. event. Like mm-hmm. you want to create a friendship. It's really hard to create a friendship in adulthood, I think. Yeah. Different than when you're in school and you're seeing people all the time. But how do you deepen a friendship in in when you're an adult? <laughs> totally. I think the biggest thing, and it sounds so obvious, is to let the person know that that is what you want. Like, can you be I'm, my friend? <laughs> truly. I remember I was at a picnic recently and this guy, I already knew him. But he was like, we hadn't seen each other since before the pandemic. And what he said just like landed so nicely on my heart. He was like, I know people say this a lot that they want to hang out and then they don't actually do it. But like, I missed you and I want to spend time with you. So like, I'm going to text you. Can we get something on the calendar? Like, that is so awesome. And really, it's sometimes that simple just to be like, okay. And you can do this in your head, be like, all right, I bet if I hang out with this person like 10 times, we're going to naturally flow into a rhythm of seeing each other a lot. 10 times is a lot of times and getting to that point, it's going to take effort. So like the first few times, it might be you reaching out. And of course, you got to look out for a balance and be like, if I'm always the person reaching out to this person, for me, that bothers me. For other people, they don't care. But I'm like, not my jam. Um, but just having that consistency and even if you want, and if you have a busy schedule to like, be like, oh, Hey, every other Thursday, are you up for going for a walk during lunch? Like whatever. And say the reason why be like, yeah, you're so cool. I like life is so busy. I would love to just keep hanging out with you. Yeah. So really just put yourself out there, right? You have to put yourself out there and, and risk that they're going to be like, "Uh, no, I really don't want to. (laughs) I have enough friends. And this is a thing that I find so interesting is I really think for a lot of people, friendship rejection hurts way more than romantic rejection. Cause it's like, theoretically in an imaginary world, we could all have unlimited friends. That's not really how it goes though. It's for some reason what we think, but it's like, I don't know, you can maybe have like 10 friends who you're actually consistently in contact with. If that, like for most people, probably five. So it's like, yeah. Maybe they're capped out on friends, which people are not used to someone saying something like that old, but it's just true. You're honest and you know what you want. So yeah. it's good to it's good to at least be honest about, you know, where you're at and what you're willing to do. I yeah. find also that I mean, I guess people do get rejected in friendships, but I find it sort of fizzles out more so than real like outright rejection. So it almost mm-hmm. feels a little less risky to me to try to be yeah. someone's friend because at some mm-hmm. point it might fizzle out, but then it doesn't feel as hurtful as, you know, being outright rejected. I don't know how often friendships will be outright rejected. Yeah. And that is the thing, like friendship breakups, great thing to Google, like friendship breakup content. So interesting because 
for me, I know some of the most painful quote unquote breakups in my life have been like friend breakups because again, it's like, oh my God, this, this person probably knows me on a deeper level oftentimes mm-hmm. than romantic partners. Like they've seen all of me because we're not doing the facade that often comes with romantic relationships. Oh, so it's like, like a history of friendship. It's like when you have a long history. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I've had some female friendships end in painful ways. And yeah, it's me like too, now the embodied that. sensation of that is like very intense. Yeah. Now that I think about it, you're right. I think it's if you outgrow a friendship or you grow in different ways or like, but you already have put all your stuff into that person. Like they know all your secrets and you have a lot of shared experiences. I feel like that's a big problem now in this stage of life that I'm noticing that, you know, when I was in high school, it's like, okay, yeah, you just be friends with whoever and whenever. And, you know, your life is sort of more free. And then you get older and you have a job and you have responsibilities and you have all these things. And then your friends are just who they are. And at some point you realize like, are these really the friends I want in my life or do I want some other friends? And then how do you sort of shift that friend circle if you want to? And I don't Mm -hmm. know if you cover that with your, with your book or your writing, but like shifting friend circles, I think is a really, it's people want to, but they don't always know how. Totally. Well, one thing I'll say on that is it's worthwhile to reflect on what is the value of having someone in your life who is an old friend. And that like, like personally, like I have some friends from growing up who I know if we met now, we wouldn't be friends, but this person has known me since I was five years old and there's nobody else in my life who's known me since I was five years old, who's still in my life. And like, that's worth it for me. I'm like, yeah, we're not going to talk about like spiritually aligned business or whatever, but like, that's okay. And we're not so close, but it's still amazing to have those people in my life. But then in terms of shifting friends, I think honestly, the biggest tip I give people is to think about the kind of person you want to be. So you could be like, I want to be a mindful person. I want to be a loving person. I want to be really fit. I want to be a great cook. I want to be a great mom, like whatever it is that you're thinking. And then be like, okay, where do those people hang out? Like, is it, I'm going to a CrossFit gym. Am I going to a weekly meditation? Am I um, volunteering with the elderly? Like, what is it that you would be doing as that person? And then like, duh, those kinds of people are in that place because the people who are around us influence how we show up so much. So much. I have a friend, he used to live in a, a Buddhist monastery. And he doesn't anymore, but he's constantly on meditation retreats and all this stuff. And I'm like, damn, when I am around this person, I feel so much more open and loving and caring. And it's just like, it's a cycle. The energy that we give and receive as friends. And I was like, damn, this is like, one, it's making me realize my own shortcomings of like the closeness that I can bring. But it's also showing me like what's possible. Yeah, I talk. You talk a lot about loneliness and making friends because I feel mm-hmm. like a lot of people don't have friends, right? Like, mm-hmm. period. When, don't have pe- friends. period, right? Like they don't have friends. They don't have family. They've moved to a new place. They've left something. They've had a breakup and lost a bunch of friends, etc. Mm-hmm. And so when you talk about that, like I guess a lot of stuff is how to start making friends. 
Mm-hmm. And I guess where I do a lot of my work is how to deepen your relationships, whether they be friendships or otherwise. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering, like, do you talk a little bit about, I guess, is there an intersection between like meeting the person and then like deepening your relationship? Yeah. This is something that I also am thinking about a lot. I honestly think a big thing is just making time for each other. Like, I know someone where he goes on, actually, my male friends are killing it in the friendship department. Like, they are my example where they've had friends who they grew up with and they have like a yearly retreat that they go on together. And they're like, yeah, every year we go on a trip, we do this thing. Or it could even be like, I had a speaking gig at a, like a spa hotel and I got to bring someone and I was like, I'm not bringing a date. I'm not wasting this on a date. I am bringing a friend and we got to hang out for five days and like eat all these meals. And she got to help me with my work. And it was like, oh my God, we got so much time together that we like, otherwise it would be two hour hangs like once a month. And so those, I think, are truly the key things that so many people miss out on. Yeah, spending time together. I'm going to add there just because we're on this topic, spending time together, but also having a shared experience that is unique. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like you go and chat with someone at a coffee shop. It's great if you have a good conversation, but sometimes it's it's not a good conversation. But if you have a shared experience, like say you go karaoke night or something like you now have a memory with that person you've now gone through something together mm-hmm. you know everything went wrong and you had to like walk back you know like the, all these things happen and now all of a sudden you have yeah. this shared moment and so I feel like um at least in my life there's been times where I've tried to reconnect with friends that it ends up just being like we're just chatting and it's like nothing's new because we're all busy with life and work mm-hmm. and you don't really get to build any Uh, meaningful moments. Whereas if you're actually doing something, going out, having a shared experience, Mm -hmm. I feel like Mm -hmm. that really helps to fast track a friendship. A hundred percent. And something on that is with, with a few friends, we were talking about how we appreciate that we've all gotten to see each other in our element, like with whatever we're really gifted at. Oh, and so like thinking about like, what are your friend's gifts? Like maybe one of your friends is a public speaker. Maybe one of your friends is a musician. Maybe one of your friends is an actor. And we were like, wait, we've all seen each other like perform in whatever capacity. And like, I feel like that helps. This is a new learning. Like it helps us understand each other more and be like, oh my God, I forgot you did choir for like 10 years. And then I just got to see you in your adult choir. And like, that was so cool. I love that. I've never thought about that, actually, about like seeing someone in their zone of genius, like in their in their thing that they excel at, because we so often don't. Right. We meet outside of work. And if a person Mm -hmm. like nobody sees me with patients, obviously. Right. Like it's a private setting. No one sees me. I mean, they could ask me health questions and then maybe they see me in that in that sense. Mm -hmm. But it's funny because I went to a conference and we took a couple extra days and I was I was speaking at the conference. We took a couple extra days. My husband came and then I saw him at the back kind of listening. And he said it was such an interesting experience seeing me do what I talk about at night because I talk about it differently than when I do it. And so the same thing happened to him. He was doing this big presentation at work and I snuck in to the back. (laughs) 
just to watch because we talk about our jobs, but we don't see each other in our jobs. And we spend so much time there and so much energy, right? So that's interesting that you're saying that your friends were able to see you like in a talk, in a book club, Mm -hmm. like whatever it was. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that really brings out a different side to that person. And how did you feel seeing your husband do his talk? It was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, you're like, like I let's love just you so much. Yeah, I was like, man, that's hot. Like, it's totally it's like, it's so hot. It is because he was like in his element, right? And like, mm-hmm. you don't see it at home. It's like we're just trying to keep alive and make sure our children are alive. Like, it's, you know, we're not like we're trying always, to be not dead. That's yeah, what we're, we're not always at our best. <laughs> like, so he won't funny. put on a suit for me, but he'll put on a suit for a presentation. You know, it's different, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're I love like, that. all right, we're doing presentation night at home. <laughs> <laughs> this is a different kind of role play, Jillian. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're like, I am legitimately going to practice my presentation in front of you. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's talk about healings. Okay, maybe I shouldn't. This is not the right question to follow up on, but healing oh, spaces. <laughs> It's like going in a totally different direction. Um, but you talk a lot about healing spaces and even uh, religious congregations a little bit. You mentioned in your book, mm-hmm. too. And I mm-hmm. think you have something here. Maybe we can talk about one and then the other. But we don't really connect with other people who have something similar, a similar purpose, similar goal, yes. whatever it, whatever that is, right? Whether it be in a healing space. And it doesn't even have to be trauma. It could be like, you know, post whatever, um, you know, a travel space. It could be like post disease. It could be like, there's so many, mm-hmm. so many things, or, or even in a religious space, I think a lot of people aren't, at least in my generation are not really as religiously connected as say our parents' generation. Yeah. Um, and I think that that means that we lack certain connections that, that we need. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even just the social aspect, forget about the religious aspect. So I thought maybe you could speak to that a little bit. Totally. Well, like we were saying at the start of this conversation, it, it's terrible when someone doesn't understand us or when we feel misunderstood. But the thing is not everyone can understand every part of us. Like, especially if like something happens, like you said, like you have a disease or you survive a car accident or you're dealing with an addiction. Like this is why 12 step programs are so mind blowingly incredible and why they're just like so many people get so much meaning and it's fascinating how they're like so at least in New York City they feel so underground like before I started going to meetings I was like where are they and then you google when you're like oh they literally start every 15 minutes on every corner of the block all day every day like if you want to blow your mind look up New York City AA meetings the schedule they go into like five in the morning because that's when people need them. Anyways, so to say there is so much almost like sacred energy in being in a space where you know everyone gets what you're saying, they're not going to judge you. Like there's such a unmasking quality that goes on in any 12 step room because you know that they're going to get it, hopefully. And it's just like, damn. And if you're not even comfortable doing that, I would suggest listening to any sort of 12-step podcast. And they've got them for everything. Like, obviously, you've got like alcohol and all the obvious things. But there's also like Under Earners Anonymous. There's Adult Children of Alcoholics. There's Overeaters Anonymous. Like anything you might possibly struggle with a little bit, 
just listen to someone telling their story on one of these podcasts and hear what people say. And it's just like, damn, we are being so fake. So, so often in society, we're like, oh my God, we're all total messes. Yeah, it's so true. It, it's funny, I'm hosting, a, I, I do a lot of events and mm-hmm. I want to talk to you about that too, because I know that you've been planning some events, but yes. I'm hosting a retreat and it sold out so fast. I yeah, mean, great, yay. But also, like, I would like to think that it's because people are excited about what I'm going to offer and what I'm going to share and all the workshops mm-hmm. that I've really worked mm-hmm. hard to plan. But this area is fairly new for me. Like I'm not super yet well known in this area. I'm well known in the hormones and fertility area, but this whole personal growth thing is like a little newish for Mm -hmm. me. I've been doing it for years, but people don't really know me in this space. And I feel like people want to come more so because they just want to be around other people who also want to work on this. Right. And so I feel like it makes total sense what you're saying that we just want to be around other people. And so many people have told me when I run an event, I'm like, hey, invite your friend. And they're like, I kind of don't want to. I know you're going to attract people who are growth oriented, who want, who who understand the struggle, who understand that they want more out of life. And I don't want to invite my friend because they're just going to bring it down. They're going to bring the whole vibe down. And it's a very, right? Dude, did you hear what you just said? Oh my God. Exactly. It's so interesting, right? Because I feel like we do get consumed with people who are around us either however we meet them. And then we kind of just want to leave and be around other people who are going to make us feel uplifted. Why can't we build that? How do we build that? I should ask, you know, in our everyday life. Yeah. This is the thing. One, Uber, congrats on your retreat. Very exciting. Thank you. But like, I love retreats. I've been on a bunch of retreats. And I think a thing that they often suck at is what happens after the retreat where it's like, okay. And especially ones that are really sensitive topics Mm -hmm. where it's like, you just got your mind and heart blown open. You just connected with all of these amazing people. Yeah. We're doing a follow up. Yeah. (laughs) We're doing a follow up for that same reason. Yeah. Amazing. Cause everyone, like I went to this retreat called Camp Grounded, which I write about in my book. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, I want to go to I that. I never had that experience. I know me, me too. It's, it's been canceled so many times and who knows when it's going to happen again. Um, but people were so active at up afterwards, inviting each other to things. And of course it's been years. So it like slowly dissipates over time, but it's so, so powerful to put yourself in a space that embodies the values you want to hold. And then like, if you're not seeing people connecting after that retreat, reach out, organize something. Cause I guarantee people are so crazy hungry. Like you're seeing, like when I, I did a one hour zoom conversation about not wanting kids. I have never experienced so many women being like, I want to go on a retreat with these ladies. And I'm like, you talk to them for literally 15 minutes. There is such a hunger to just be in a space where you know that you're safe. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And you almost need to be feel safe, but also put yourself outside of your comfort zone. It's like this weird balance, right? Like I organized an event for my group. It was an improv. Okay. I heard that you're into improv. Is this true? (gasps) Oh my God. I have done an embarrassing amount of improv in my life. 
okay, I'm not an improv person at all. And yeah. I was like, we need to do this. And everyone was terrified because it's scary, but it was also spectacular. It was yeah. so good. And it's yeah. because you're forced to get out of your comfort zone. So I think there's this balance between feeling safe. Maybe it was that we felt safe in the space to push our boundaries, mm -hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I imagine that you as a facilitator, it's not like you were like, okay, we're going to do this thing, but I'm not going to participate. So oh, I no. imagine you did it. I you did it. I, I was first. Yes. And the person who was yes. facilitating, like the improv person, the expert person, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And he actually said that makes it better. Totally. You're like, yeah, be messy, make a mistake, be goofy. Like the weirder you get, the more permission everyone else has, which is why like, some really well facilitated retreats I've been on, especially like stuff that's around embodiment or trauma. They always have assistants demonstrate the exercises in front of everyone. And the idea behind that is like, if we as a facilitation team are not willing to be vulnerable in front of you, why would you be vulnerable in front of us? And I think that's yeah. how anything should be led. Yeah, for sure. I feel like you and I could just chat because like we are so interested in the same subjects. Um, yeah. But I, I also want to bring it back to in case if the listener is listening, like, okay, I need to like put myself out there, but I also need mm -hmm. to feel safe. I need to shed mm -hmm. these real relationships that are maybe not good for me anymore. But I was, you know, mm -hmm. I have a lot of history with, I want to make new friendships. Like where do people start? What do they do? What, what kinds of things can they pay attention to in their own life? Like, do you have any mm -hmm. tips for people? Yeah. A simple one is to just set a goal for how many times you want to get out of the house. Be like, all right, I'm going to, I literally just did this with a coaching client right before this call where they were like, okay, I want to go out every other week. And I was like, Oh, I let you for every week. That's, I was like, that's literally one night every 14 days, <laughs> like not ideal. Um, and see also like what kinds of spaces give you energy and don't, and don't just try something one time because you might like, for example, you go to improv one time and you leave and you're like, oh my God, that was so hard. And then you go the second time and it's a blast. So see that, like track what's giving you energy, what's not, who's giving you energy, who's not. But I'd say also notice the energy that you are going into these spaces with. So like if you're going into a dance space, for example, feeling really guarded, really closed, with no attempt to try and change, like, yeah, you're going to have a certain experience versus if you go in, maybe you dance at home before you go and you're like, okay, I'm going to be weird. I'm going to be silly. I'm going to stay for at least an hour. That's something I had to make myself do with dance stuff. Cause I'm, I've never been a natural dancer. Even if I keep dancing, I feel very uncomfortable for like 45 minutes. Like I'm staying for an hour. Yeah, that's, that's, a that's a great trick, mind trick for yourself. I went to, I actually love to dance. I just love it. Yeah. I just can't be around other people who I have no idea who they are, where they're watching me dance. Like I have a hard time with that, but I love to dance. And if given the opportunity, I will be moving. But I went to this party when I didn't know anyone. And I was like, it's a friend's birthday party, but I don't know any of her friends. Yeah. And I went by myself. And so, because my husband was home with the kids and I was like, okay, I'm just going to go. I want to wish my friend happy birthday. So I wore this hat. It was like this very out there, I like hats. It was a very yeah. out there, like bright pink hat. And I walked in and the music started and I started dancing. And my friend came up to me, the one who was there. And she's like, you can't wear that hat and not dance. Oh, 
And I was like, that's right. I can't, I, I almost went in like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to pull this off. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's actually my real personality wanting to come out. It's just sometimes not really, it's sometimes shy. <laughs> Truly. That is such an amazing point that I think at our core, most of us, I won't, uh, maybe even all of us, our natural state is want to be open. We want to be free. We want to have fun. We want to dance. We want to sing. We want to laugh. And there's just like all this stuff that goes on top of that, that makes it hard. Yeah. So sometimes it's nice to put a, put like a time limit or or like, you got to stay for an hour or, you know, put Mm -hmm. on a cool hat and be like, I got to embody this person that I'm going (laughs) out as, you know, like, like, all right, alternate persona is where the sparkles. (laughs) Yes. And that's a thing. Something I'll like to do sometimes is like I'll put on sparkles or whatever and I'll in my purse have extra. So if someone's like, oh my God, I love your sparkles. I'll be like, do you want some? And then you've got like a thing. You've got a thing to do or like I'll have rose water spray. So if it's like a really sweaty environment, be like, hey, do you want some rose water spray? I mean, we just like, you just get to connect with people. It's a little cheesy, but it works. Oh, that's awesome. And it's a good conversation point too. Totally. Like there's a reason why in like pickup artistry, they're always saying to the guys to like wear a weird piece of clothing because it's like, oh, oh yeah, I'm deeply fascinated by the gross world of male pickup artistry. <laughs> That's like <laughs> a very classic tip is to, they call it peacocking, to wear a strange item of clothing that like is an easy excuse for someone to talk to you. Oh, fascinating. I did not know that. That's so mm-hmm. interesting. Um. I have a sort of a summary of your book. This is my interpretation of your book. I feel like people should read it because you talk a lot about healthy congregations, how to create Mm -hmm. them, how to just experience from them. And I I think there is a a big value. We didn't didn't get too much into the religious aspect, which, you know, again, like politics, not my jam to talk about all of that. But I do think there's something missing in that that is sort of a natural space of like getting people together where we don't, we don't maybe have that. We have to kind of create that in ourselves or for our own lives again. Um, so this is my interpretation of your book. You let me know what you think. Okay. I'm ready. Okay. Find the space, mm-hmm. attend the space, and then enjoy the space. I feel like there's three different parts, but you have to figure out where you want to go, where your people are. Mm-hmm. Then you have to actually go and give it a chance mm-hmm. and keep mm-hmm. going and try to meet people and like put yourself out there. And then you have to enjoy it, meaning like you have to be vulnerable. You have to let yourself, you know, open up yes. like all of these things. This is like my my summary of your book. <laughs> what do you think? Truly. And then like do follow up. Yes. Like, all right. Follow up. You met you met someone cool at the space. You want to have them over to your place and make them tea and hang out? Like, do you want to invite them on a retreat? Yes. Nurture. I'm going to write this down. Nurture the relationship. I love love this summer. I'm writing a blog post. This is so good. (laughs) We're like, yes. Um, I love that summary. I think that's so fair. And it's like, again, all of this stuff, it's very obvious, but I feel like this is the whole point of the whole episode is there's just all of these things that build up over time that get in the way of us doing something that like when you're a little kid and you're five years old, you don't have this stuff. You're just like, mom, I went to school and I colored with this girl and I want to have a play date with her. Like easy. Yeah. So easy. So different now when we're grown up or it feels yeah. different. It doesn't have we to We all be. want play dates. <laughs> 
Maybe that's our, that's the next thing we should organize a play date. <laughs> yeah. We're like, let's color and drink tea and do face masks. Uh, thank you so much. If anyone wants to get to know you more or what you do, or if they're in New York and they want to meet you at an event, how can they reach you? Yeah. So I am that Jillian with a J on all social platforms. It's my website, thatjillian.com. I'm Instagram, thatjillian. And then if you want to subscribe to The Joylist, the website is joylist.nyc. Nice. Where did that Jillian come from? There are just so many Jillians. I, I just made that handle as like a joke in like 2010 or something <laughs> or 2012, not thinking this would be my thing forever. And I'm it's memorable. still a little embarrassed by it, but here we are. It's memorable. I like it. It's memorable. Then people don't have to remember how to spell your last name. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I have no last name. It's just Jillian. That's okay. You only need one word. You're good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening and joining me for today's conversation. For more resources on living an intentional and extraordinary life, head over to my website, livingxo.com. You can find my free workshop on emotional regulation and also my free assessment to see how intentional you are in your own life and the next steps to help you move towards more deliberate decision-making. Until next time.